Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast, where we interview female founders from all around the world. And Empire Life is a tech and digital marketing company scaling female founders' online empires. And today we are with co-authors of the new series, One Redefine, that's going to be published in January 2021 with Laura Wall and Lita Vallis. And I want to give a quick intro to them. So Lita Vallis is the co-founder of Celebrate to Elevate Party Planning, best-selling author, singer-songwriter, and Laura Wall is a coach, a speaker, a best-selling author as well, and co-founder of Hearts of Healing Center, a nonprofit organization for spiritual growth. Am I saying that? Did I miss? What else do you do there too? And, and healing. And healing. And I'll hand it over to them and to intro themselves a little bit more, or we can dive right in. I say let's dive right in. <laughs> okay, Laura, so you want to give my website wanna, or anything? Let's dive right in. I'm <laughs> sure at the end, I'm sure we can in the notes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how, how we're going to be doing this, if you're watching this on video, you'll, you'll have the pleasure of being able to see all of us. And we're also celebrating today Lita's birthday. So happy birthday, Lena. <laughs> and <laughs> she's she's in her 20s, and she looks like she's in her 20s. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. She's only 21 today. Yeah, I'm actually 49. 49, 49, and I'm proud to say it. I love aging gracefully. We should all be yes. proud to, to announce our years. We've earned them all. Oh, yeah, you have, and you are radiant and glowing, I'm sure, even more than last year. And (laughs) you're welcome. So let's dive right in. I want to start with the first question that is also extremely challenging question for a lot of people to answer concisely because we've all been through a lot. And we're going to do this as a speaker panel kind of format, but also like we're on the couch together having tea. So it'll be conversational style for those of you listening. And Lita will be answering the question, and then Laura, and then myself. So the first one is, what are some, que- what are some challenges you've overcome? Yes, many challenges in 49 <laughs> years. Uh, the biggest one for me, and the one that's on my mind a lot to share right now, uh, is overcoming perfectionism it has been a lifelong challenge. And... Uh, I can remember very early on in my youth, you know, just comparing myself to other people and, um, yeah, just not feeling good enough unless I was perfect. And, um, you know, it does run in my family, you know, I have family members who will also admit that it, uh, was a struggle. So I feel like I, I was introduced to it. Honestly, I think we all are exposed to it, you know, on a fairly regular basis. Um, mine actually took hold enough that it kept me from, from following my truest passion. And so just recently, um, during the quarantine and during this past year of 2020, when we've all had so much time to literally sit and reflect and be with ourselves, if you were in a situation where you were able to, to spend that time, um, 
inward, uh, I really confronted it full on. So that's what I wrote about in uh, the Empire Life book series, my struggle in overcoming perfectionism. And that's what I'm celebrating now. Um, my my truest passion has always been music. And finally, I'm in the studio recording my songs. And yeah, they're not perfect, but they're mine. And it's a process. And just overcoming that mindset that it has to be perfect before you release it uh, has been one of the biggest, the biggest victories for me in this past year. Just I'm just putting out what I feel compelled to share and staying a lot less attached to uh, its level of perfectionism. Or yeah, level of perfection, because it's never going to be perfect. <laughs> you know, there's always another take to do. And the nice thing is about a song is, you know, you put it out there, but you can always sing it again. <laughs> so at least it's out there. <laughs> So that's been my biggest challenge, happily, happily overcoming it. And I'm sure it will be, you know, it'll, it's a continuous journey of layers, you know, overcoming different layers of it. Um, but this year has been a huge year for overcoming that crucial layer that stopped me from even sharing it in any way. Now I'm sharing about it and here talking about the process of sharing, which is way more fun and hopefully way more beneficial to the people that I love and care about and hopefully inspire. Shall I go next? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was waiting for you. So uh, much like Lita, I definitely have had my own battles with perfectionism, overcoming perfectionism. I consider myself an excellentist. So I like to do excellent things, but um, similar to what she shared, it's, it's taken a long time to come to that point. And it kind of ties in a little bit with what I have felt compelled to share in the book, which is uh, around boundary work. So if you're always thinking that you need to be perfect, it's usually for a reason. And so for me, that was to get approval from either friends or from family or from teachers. And so I was always putting myself out there and giving myself away quite a bit in an effort to be liked and loved. And so that's a little facet of perfectionism. But really what was happening was, is um, I didn't realize that I was an empath. And there's a lot of empaths out there. And part of what is our superpower is the fact that we're really able to open our heart and we're able to sense into other people and feel other people's feelings and really kind of be on the same vibe as them. But uh, the downside is sometimes you lose that boundary with what is yours to maintain and what is others to maintain. And so the chapter that I wrote about in the book was about those boundaries and where I look back in my life and I see that in multiple relationships that I've had, that there was either no boundary setting or poor boundary setting. And a lot of that was around um, lacking communication, uh, lacking the skills of the communication, knowing how to speak to what I needed. But really it goes back to um, the very core issue that seems to be at the base of perfectionism, which is not always feeling like you're good enough. So if you don't feel like you're good enough, it's really hard to speak up and say, no, that's not okay with me because you're afraid that someone may reject you or leave you or your boss may fire you. 
So I felt very compelled. Um, 2019 for me was the year that I learned this lesson every single month. Just when I would think that there was a little mastery, <laughs> there'd be a new person and a new relationship that I needed to work on, um, setting healthy boundaries, speaking my truth, standing up for what I believed in. And again, kind of like Lita expressed in her process, there has to be some detachment there too. Because if you're still holding on to what you hope is going to happen in that relationship with that boundary setting, you're still kind of in that perfectionistic trap. You're still hoping that they're going to like what happens in the end. So learning to own my self-worth, own my value, and be centered in that helped me speak to and honor myself when I was setting boundaries. Um, but the, the chapter's kind of the, the direct opposite. It was when I was much younger and I had a series of different people that um, I consider them teachers. Um, I refer to them as bullies in my chapter title, but honestly, they were all teachers. They all showed me what I didn't want or what was, you know, what was not good for me. And as a result, I had to stop and look at that pattern and realize that I needed to make a change. And that change was learning the right type of language around setting boundaries, as well as, like I said, the very most important part is learning that I'm absolutely good enough. I'm absolutely amazing and wonderful on the inside. And there's some people that are not my cup of tea. They're not going to like what I'm serving up. And that's okay that I can release that. So uh, I think of boundaries, depending on who it is, um, you're building a level of trust. So I think of them as either, if you don't trust someone, you kind of set up a brick wall and you might lower the drawbridge occasionally to check, see if they can come in for a little while. Um, once you get to know them better, you might have something more like a, a chain link fence where you can see and there's a little more flow and there's a little more back and forth. And then eventually, you know, those people that are on your inner trust circle, they got the keys to your house. <laughs> they can come whenever they want because they understand you. They, they honor your value and they can come in and they're safe to be around. You know that they're not going to hurt you. They know what you're about and they're going to honor your boundaries. So you're giving the, the feedback about having some kind of process with somewhat vetting or giving the time for those people to to gain yes. the trust if both ways. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In my younger days, my trust was open to yeah. everyone. <laughs> I was an open book. I told everyone everything. I thought everyone understood what I meant. And when you know people did things behind my back or did things that were hurtful, it was always very surprising to me because I wasn't using my natural intuition. I wasn't sensing into what was true in that situation. And I wasn't, like I said, holding back a little bit to check in to see, are we on the same wavelength? Do we share the same vibe? Do we share the same values? You know, are they worthy of my trust? You know, if you don't think you're worthy, then you, like I said, you'll just give yourself away. Mm. So it's both of you guys. It's really powerful. Thank you for already being so vulnerable and showing up for us here today. That's, I super relate to both, both of the challenges that you shared myself and experiences that I've had. And my chapter is related to viewing money 
with a unique, different mindset than the mindset I was raised to view money in energetically. And recently, or even the last week, I had an experience where I was challenged to put my mindset, my money mindset to the test or to see how I was going to respond that I was overcharged for a fee within a company, within a phone company. Then I tried everything. I talked to every manager. I spent about seven hours on the phone with them over the course of the week. And it came to the point where there's no way that I'm not going to pay that fee. It was a, it, there was a promotion taken off of the account by an employee on accident. And they said that now the promotion is not valid anymore. Even though I was on it before, none of it made really logical sense. It felt as God and the universe were giving me homework, so to speak, of you are actually abundant. You have a lot of opportunities to bring in that money. What if that money actually came back times 10 that you, that because you let go of it, because you decided that money is going to do good for the company. People need to get paid there. Their families need to be taken care of. And I made this whole reframe around letting that go, being comfortable with, even though it didn't quite make sense to me in the moment, <laughs> logically, like letting go of this money to then let more money flow in and giving appreciation for where that money was going to go and letting go also of resentment and resentment I had towards the company. So I, because at first I caught myself saying that company's just trying to rip everybody off. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. I'm actually creating more of what I'm trying not to create here. So I started saying that company, those, those employees, they need to eat, you know, they, they need to be taken care of too. And I know that they did the best to take care of me. It just didn't work out this time the way I had thought it was. And I'm okay with that. And I'm sure that they did their best to serve me in every possible way that they could. And if I heard somebody else talking like that about the company, I would say the same thing to them. I'm sure that they did the best they could with what they know or what they have. And then I'm about to onboard a new client this week. I'm sending her the contract and that's already, I mean, that's three times already what I'm going to pay the phone company that I'm going to receive back. But, there you go. Yeah. It's, it was a true testament of that was, that has been an extreme challenge for me to step out of in the moment I felt powerless. I felt, oh, here we go again. Someone trying to take advantage of me. Oh my gosh, they're just trying to take my money. Why do they think I have all this money that they can take in the same, this kind of story that I was raised in of more of there's not enough money and I need to hold really tight to it. In that process, putting my mindset or overcoming the challenge of I am abundant, I'm protected, I'm taken care of, all this money will flow back in and possibly getting excited and feeling that energy in my body and full body chills. How about 10, 10 times 10? What if that happened? Oh my gosh, all these ideas and opportunities start flowing in. Then. And I will move to the next question. So do you, 
I, it was, okay. What do you do when you feel any resistance come up in your body and how do you handle negativity? Mm. Well, I have a lot more tools in my toolkit now. <laughs> um, you know, I've taken numerous amazing courses around you know, these kinds of personal growth topics. So if I synthesize all those nuggets, <laughs> um, if I feel resistance and negativity, the first thing I'm going to do is focus on the result, the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And just even as an example, let's say today, getting ready for this podcast session. Okay, well, having some technical challenges, I set up a new little system here and it wasn't super smooth. Okay, well, instead of giving into that and being like, ugh, I just can't do technology. It's such a pain in the butt, you know, I'm like, okay, well, my goal is to sound really good on the podcast to go to the next level of sound quality. That's more important to me than the challenge of, you know, setting it up and hooking it up right and, um, you know, figuring out Zoom's platform and how it interacts. You know, all of that is just part of the process to get to the result of communicating as clearly as I can with as, as good of sound quality as I can so that nothing's getting in the way of my, my message and my, my, uh, the gift I'd like to share. So that's the main thing that I do now is I just focus on the end with the end in mind. Uh, and then whatever you're resisting against doesn't seem as big or as scary because that's just part of the process to get to that, that result. Mine is similar with a slightly different take. Lita, you'll like this because Lita's very playful and we like to play games. So when I find resistance or negativity rising up in me or coming at me, um, I know that that is just a, a temporary condition and that is a perception. That's um, I'm looking at things in a very particular way. So I have a choice over what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. So I can choose a new thought and I can choose a new feeling. So I like to play a game and it's called the three good things game. And this came to me several years ago when my husband invited me to join another couple for dinner. And it was one of those nights, ladies, you know, where you got your jam jams on and you're like resigned to like ordering a pizza. You just, you're not feeling it. It's a little cold outside. I didn't want to go anywhere. And so I was really pretty pissed <laughs> that I had to go out to dinner or go to someone's house for dinner. And so as I was showering, that thought came to me, I'm like, okay, you can make this a terrible thing or you can choose to look at this differently. So while I was showering, I thought, what are three great things? What are three really good things about not staying home, about going somewhere else? And so I was like, oh, well, number one, I don't have to cook dinner. Yay, that's great. I don't have to cook for dinner. That's perfect. Okay. And then number two, I don't have to clean up. Oh, this is amazing. Okay, good, good. And then I thought number three, and I'm like, oh, it's not my house. So I don't have to kick guests out or feel awkward with them or stay up with them until two in the morning when I'm exhausted. I can leave anytime I want to. And so as soon as I stepped out of that shower, I noticed that I 
felt so much lighter and happier. And again, my mental approach to going over there was so much more positive. So I, I think it's a combination of kind of a reframe as well as like just moving into gratitude, moving into what is good, what's pleasant, what's happy, and just slightly shifting my energy out of that kind of static rut to just maybe a little level up. And then once I took that one step, then I felt even more elated. I was like, yay, this is going to be great. I can just go and get fed and go home and get my jammies again. So well, games, sometimes have to play games with ourselves. Love the games. <laughs> yes. I love it. I was having that conversation the other day with someone about how you can't be in negativity and gratitude at the same time. So when, or with lack of, or feeling in lack of, or victim, feeling like a victim, it's almost impossible. It's, I feel like it's impossible to be in both simultaneously. So then when you shift into the gratitude, it's, it's magical how the, the shift of energy and the reframe comes through. And for me, I feel a lot of times I'll look at, usually that looks like anger, feeling frustrated or maybe overwhelmed or shutting down if I feel resistance and negativity. And I'll look at why do, I'll ask myself, I'll get curious about it. Why am I feeling triggered? What's really going on here for me? Where is this coming from? <laughs> Was, is this similar to something that's happened to me before? Or if I'm feeling that towards uh, outwardly towards another person, I'll ask something similar. I'll get curious about them. I wonder what's going on for them today. Why did they respond to me like that? What are they really feeling that, what happened with them before to elicit such a response to me like that? Okay and then get, come from this place of curiosity, like you said, games, and being really grateful. I completely agree with all of those. And I will go to the next, let's see, number five. We're gonna get really juicy, this one. <laughs> you like juicy. Mm, this, is, this one is, I feel like it's, there's so much that's uncovered in this question for, for us. The childhood story reflecting why you do what you do. Mm. Ooh, that's good. A childhood story. Um, for me, it has to be third grade, the Christmas concert at my church. And that was the first time that I was in a choir and they had auditions for a solo. So I was sort of nervous. My, even back then I had perfectionism. So to even to audition, I had to, you know, my eight year old self had to work through her little battle to audition. Um, well, I got, I got the solo and the night of the Christmas concert, <laughs> Actually, my sister came and sat in the front. I have a, my sister was very playful and she sat in the front row at the concert and was like making faces at me, trying to get me to, to mess up, you know, but my eight year old self, you know, had my, I had my eye on the, the vision, right? So I remember when I stepped out into the spotlight to sing that Christmas solo and I started singing and I looked around and I could feel 
the people in the audience just like relaxing into it like oh like you know they probably thought i was really cute because i was eight and i was singing my little heart out you know but just there was like this softness that came into the room and i just like rose into it i was like oh, this is the best thing this is the best way to commute communicate with people that i've ever experienced at that young age and that has stuck with me i still feel that way like singing is well it's far more fun for me than, than you know having a conversation i can just communicate so many nuances and um, emotions so i think that that that's probably the best story i got that third grade performance and my sister was doing her thing trying to get me to mess up and i was just eye on the prize like she could not phase me and then after i was done i remember looking down at her and going <laughs> like you tried to get me and you couldn't nanny nanny <laughs> so i wanted to like acknowledge her like i know what you were trying to do and i win and then i turned around you know with my little eighth grade self i was so proud and and uh, went back and i could just you could just feel the audience when they connect with you you can feel it and that was that was that was the juice for my third grade self and still is today I love that. And for those of you that are listening and not watching this, Lita was sticking her tongue out at her sister in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. There's some visuals. There's some visuals that you're missing. <laughs> I don't know how to make that sound into the microphone of a of a tongue sticking out. <laughs> There's a raspberry. <laughs> oh. I wish um, I wish I could dovetail on Lita's story and and break the mood up, but I'll have to bring the mood down a little bit um, because my my motivation for the work that I do now um, I'm I'm a co-founder of the Hearts of Healing Center, and I have come to that work and I've asked myself this question like why am I doing this and and like my deeper why not just who I'm trying to serve or my customer avatar, or any of those branding kind of things, but really more kind of like what you're asking is, where does this go back to? Where, where what is the source of this? And really the source of it is, is pain, is pain and disconnection. And so I was the um, extrovert in a house full of introverts. I was um, wanting to be seen and wanting to connect with people on a really deep level. And my family of origin didn't have that emotional capacity. They had a lot of things going on in that household. And so I realized as I went through childhood, as I grew up, I was always looking for deep relational connection with people. And you know, from boyfriends to girlfriends to girlfriend groups. And I just look back um, when I when I wrote my chapter, I it took me a couple of weeks to recover from writing because it brought up a lot of old memories of my younger self. And I realized that that girl didn't have any friends. That girl didn't have any sisters who loved her unconditionally and told her this is bullshit drop that boyfriend, quit that job, that that girl didn't have any tools. And it kind of breaks my heart for her. Like, I, I, I love who I was, and I was resilient, and I made it through to today. But that's what motivates me to do the work that I do now. And the organization that I work for, we have a sisterhood circle that we are very gently, lovingly developing. 
And that's what I want for each one of those women is I want them to have a place where they feel safe, that they can come and find a true friendship, someone that's really going to listen to them, someone that's got their back, someone that's going to hold space for them, someone that's going to cheer them on and really be happy for them when they succeed and really hold them gently when they're going through something difficult. And then the healing work that I do as a guide um, is all around emotional healing. And so I've done a lot of that in my own past. And there's something that I feel when I go through that emotional healing, it feels like a, a, a key and a lock and it feels like a click and it feels like something opens up and I'm no longer carrying that baggage. I'm no longer tied or chained down by something. And that's how it feels when I'm facilitating that. When I see that from my clients, when I see them finally realizing they are not what they experienced, they are not what people said, that there's so much more, when they're able to release that and they step into their full potential or they see their own potential, it just, I'm, I've got chills right now. And that's why I do what I do is I, I selfishly do it for, you know, my 17 year old self who needed good friends and needed someone to, to love her in a, in a very unconditional way and to hold space for her and to show her some tools of how to be more positive or how to be in gratitude or how to uh, be more playful. Now you've mastered that. <laughs> Please don't make me cry. I'm on the edge. Uh, so those of you podcasters, if you heard my voice break, I'm on the edge of crying because it does take me back to that place where, like I said, I was, I was, I was in a lot of pain um, a lot of the time because I, I couldn't figure out what my needs were and I couldn't figure out how to get them met. And so I always was looking and searching and longing. So mm. thank you. Thank you for that reflection, Lita. Mm. Yes. Mm. Thank you. Thank you both too. Yeah. Thank you for sharing out vulnerably. We've, Laura and I have been a big part of each other's journey for those that don't know us personally. It's, you know, we've watched each other as we've evolved for what, 16, 17 years now of friendship. Mm -hmm. So like when, yeah, her wins, I feel her wins mm -hmm. as, you know, there's a little part of me that feels that as my own. Same, same. Yeah. And when I, when I share something with her and she cheers me on, I can feel it. Like she's genuinely super excited for me. And there's not that weird twinge of, of competition. Like, I feel like she's just as glad that I did something as if she had done it herself. And same mm. thing when she wins, I am so proud of her and I'm so excited for her. I do. I'm like, I'm not a good singer, but when she sings, I'm like moving and grooving and in my <laughs> mind, like our voices are together, <laughs> but I won't ever sing over you, dear. <laughs> we can do a duet. That's totally my way. That's beautiful. I'll do the rap version. I'll do the speaking part. <laughs> I can't wait. To, yeah. I can't wait to hear you sing and, and you guys hopefully will get to hear Lita sing at the end. <laughs> it's amazing. And yeah, thank you again for sharing out vulnerably and allowing us to hold that space for you too, for everything that you've, that you've gone through. And I, I myself have experienced a lot of pain as well. And just the other day, someone said something about 
It seemed like you had a lot of anger growing up. And I said, I prefer to refer to that as passionate. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Because I accept that part of myself, that there was a lot of chaos going on in my home. And I, I wasn't responding in it. I didn't know what to do with all that passion and fire, inner fire. And I felt things were out of control. And sometimes that's the way that I reacted until I learned. And I was telling them too, at some point you learn that that inner fire and all that passion is light and it can be directed. And when you direct it towards healing, helping others, supporting others, you're, there's nothing else you can compare that to. It's igniting and attracts a lot of people and you know the the right people that want some of that light and to support them and i'm i'm thankful for those reframes because in in my healing to laura and lita it's been actually i'm not i I don't have a horrible temper and have anger things that i was told growing up because i was the most passionate person in my family in a lot of situations (laughs) about whatever I thought. And that leads me into my childhood story, actually. So, <laughs> of course. Nice, nice segue there. You've done this before. <laughs> and, oh, in, it was also in third grade, Lita. I was on the playground, I remember, and I was wearing a bracelet that I had made with pearl beads and like these little tiny gold coins. And it was my favorite bracelet. And I had bought it with, I had bought the beads with my own money when I was with my mom at Hobby Lobby and they were on sale probably. She usually always buys everything on sale. And so I got some of the beads and I made the most beautiful bracelet for me. My friend asked me, well, she didn't ask me. She said, I want your bracelet. And I said, this is my favorite bracelet though. And I don't know if I can get those beads again. Right. And Okay, she said, really, I really want to wear your bracelet. I love it. Can I buy it from you? Let me see. I have $5 in my bag, which felt like a lot of money to a third grader. And I said, oh, okay, sure, yeah, I'll take the $5. Here's your bracelet. (laughs) So the next day, that was just my immediate response. And the next day, she comes to school with the bracelet on. And a few other, my girlfriends on the playground say, I love her bracelet. Can you make me one? After the days pass on, I asked my mom, I told my mom, I have this money. I need to go back to Hobby Lobby. I need more materials. Well, only if you're going to buy it. So so I said, yes. And you need to calculate if you're going to get a profit from what you buy. You don't want to buy too much, which was great learning lessons for me. And so I got more materials. A few months later, I have this whole business going. Um, mostly on the playground and at lunch where I have a whole list of sales and different beads and all different designs and those beautiful bracelets that all these girls are wearing and then continuing to get more sales. I'm sitting in class one day and the principal knocks on my class's door and he is about six, five and he's deciding to talk to Allison. So I'm following behind him all the way to his office. I have no idea what he's going to talk to me about. And he's huge. And I sit down in the principal's office and he looks at me, I would say probably in very intimidating in very deep voice and says, I hear you're selling something on campus. I hear you're selling things. I was like, yep, yes, sir, I am. 
that's true. <laughs> He's like, well, that's against school rules. You can't sell anything on school grounds. I said, okay, I need, I'm saving money because I'm going to buy this new pair of shoes and I got, I have to pay this amount of money for my shoes. My parents are going to pay this amount. I'm paying this amount. And then probably the next shoes I get, I'm going to pay this amount. I'm not going to stop selling anything because I want those shoes. <laughs> I want this other thing too. That's my goal. And he says, Oh, okay. You want those shoes. Mm, okay. Well, how about this? You sell on the playground and you sell at lunch. And I was like, well, that's usually where I sell anyways, sir. I, I definitely won't ever talk about it in class. And I put my hand out to shake his hand across the desk. Nice. And we both stood up and we shook each other's hand. And I walked out. And every time he saw me in the hallway after that, he would say, Allison, how's business? <laughs> <laughs> It's great. And they were like, you know the principal? Oh my God. I know the principal. And my parents were never called. So at some point my mom did ask me, that's okay. I'm like, oh yeah, me and the principal are friends. It's great. <laughs> that was <laughs> my my entrepreneurial journey is started around that time. I'm glad I'm glad he didn't ask you for a cut, because that would have definitely been against <laughs> rules probably that's where i thought we were going Ooh. yeah <laughs> your broker or something well and you i i appreciate that you negotiated in your own way right so here you had someone that was completely against you ready to shut you down but your passion which people labeled as anger came yeah. up and you expressed like your deeper why and that was compelling to him and that moved him and he i mean he kind of offered you a different deal i would uh, and so in the end, that's pretty amazing for eight years old. <laughs> yeah, yes, you held the ground. I definitely was, nope, no, not stopping. <laughs> so we're, we're making a deal. I'm not leaving here until we make a deal because, yes, that's, that's not happening. And that was my, my attitude, yes. And that could have been taken as, as in a different way. And I'm glad that he took it in a really positive way. Like, okay, this girl's really determined. <laughs> so we don't make a deal. She's probably not going to leave my office. That was also maybe how he felt too in that moment. And I am really thankful for having all that, that passion about what I was doing. And I also mentioned to him, I have 30 orders, sir. If I cancel this now, everybody's going to be so upset with me. I have clients I need to help here. I can't let them down. They're relying on me to look beautiful with this jewelry. I'm making their day. I did say something along those lines, too. And he was very compelled, like you said, Laura, to mm -hmm. continue to let you can me be do very, that. very convincing when you want to be. <laughs> No, that's such a make or break moment for an entrepreneur. You know, the first person you run into that kind of pushes back, you know, that could have stopped you in your tracks. I mean, it doesn't sound like you, but it could have stopped someone else in their tracks. And yet you found someone that was not, that kind of became your champion in a way. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had a lot of experiences like that where they ended up being one of my number one fans. And at yeah. first maybe they weren't. And, when I told that story at some speaker summits, a few ladies at different events, I've had ladies come up to me and say that they got in trouble at school, but they stopped. 
And then they didn't pick up entrepreneurship for years after that because of how discouraged they were with that person telling them that they couldn't do it. And they, their voices were shaking and they just didn't want to get in trouble and they were in tears. And so, well, this is not worth it for me to continue with, with this naysayer, right. Or this person who's having resistance to what I'm doing. That's a great Nobody likes them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let's be friends. Let's talk. Let's talk more. Let's do this. Let's let go of this resistance here. Yes. And, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab my tea. It's just out yes, of frame. No, no problem. So let's, let's go on to the next one. And if you just scroll down here. If you were starting something new today, what would you say are the top three things that you wish you had known before that you didn't know and you would incorporate today if you were starting something new? Hmm. Well, I will say that story. I mean, that determination is a very important player in getting what you want in the business world <laughs> as well as on the playground. <laughs> If, uh, yeah, if you are really clear on your vision and um, have that unstoppable mindset, then that is, that is going to win in the end. You know, it might take a little longer depending on what you bump, bump into, but that, yeah, that determination is, is the key, one of the keys. Um, I would also say really, you know, I, I do believe I've come to believe over my lifetime, you know, like I knew in third grade what I wanted to do, <laughs> but I let so many other people say, Oh, well, that's not practical. You're not going to make any money or blah, 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 it's hard. You know, all the things about, um, you know, what was hard about music and, uh, and I believed other people more than my true knowing. So the determination uh, and trusting that true knowing, because I think you know, <laughs> I know you know what, what, what it is that will make you so determined that you're unstoppable on the playground of life. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, so trusting that right away. Um, having that determination. And the third one I will go with, yeah, make sure that it's something that you, that you just love it so much that like, it's not work, that it doesn't feel like work, that the work is fulfilling for the sake of itself. Um, because yeah, you might not make any money for a while, at least, you know, there's a, a, a phase, right? For most businesses. So yeah make sure that that you're enjoying the process of the creation and the process of whatever it is that you're doing so much that even let's say you look back and you know the results that you achieved are different than maybe originally what you had set out to achieve you can still look back and say that it was a life well lived that that was time well spent with people that were well worth investing your time and energy into because ultimately that's what life is made up of, right? There, ultimately there is no end result. It is the journey of the, the living and the doing and the experiencing that is 
what makes our life the quality that it is. So, yeah, so determination, trusting your intuition, and choosing your true passion that you can enjoy the process of creating and building what it is you are creating and building regardless of the the final result those are really good <laughs> let me see let me see if i can follow that <laughs> um i would say that the thing that i think of now that's really really different than when i used to create something whether it was a business or a project or whatever is um the first thing i think of is asking for help which is the opposite of the way that I was trained and brought up. You know, I was brought up in the eighties and the ladies of the eighties on TV, they wore the big shoulder pads and they wore the, you know, manly uh, suits and they had big fluffy hair and they, they were really aggressive. And, you know, sometimes they shot people um, <laughs> and the, the, those TV shows that I saw of women that were supposed to be professional, they always talked about doing it themselves and doing it their way. And uh, I internalized a lot of messages from that and from other things about that I always had to do things on my own, that I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And that's not true. That is so not true. Uh, I was talking to a young entrepreneur at lunch the other day and he was saying about, he was saying the same things. And I said, hey, where'd you get that shirt? And he's like, I don't know, Walmart. And I said, oh, I said, well, did you design it? And he goes, no, I got it at Walmart. And I said, well, did you like grow the cotton to make the shirt? And he's like, no, I got it at Walmart. And we go back and forth like this. And I said, how many people do you think it took to get that shirt on your back? And I said, that's a huge team of people. I said, we all need help in business. We need allies. We need suppliers. We need vendors. We need mentors. We need clients. We need raving clients. So I have learned when, when I'm about to start a project, instead of thinking, oh, I'll YouTube it, or I can just draw upon my experience, I reach out to a few key people and I, I ask for some feedback ahead of time. Do you think this suits me? Do you have any um, you know, unique knowledge? Or what I like to ask them sometimes if they're in the, doing the thing that I wanna be doing is I ask them, what's the shit sandwich? which is um, a concept from Liz Gilbert's <laughs> book, Big Magic, where she kind of talks about what Lito is saying is, is you need to love the process because there's going to be some stuff that you aren't going to love. And you've got to figure out, do you love the thing that you want so much that you're willing to put up with that, you know, shit sandwich every now and again? You know, are you willing to do the paperwork when you're not a paperwork person to get to do the thing that really brings you joy? And so I do echo her sentiment when I'm about to start a project. I ask myself, are you bringing a big bag of joy to this? Is there a lot of energy? And a lot of times it's going and asking for help and hearing from other people that kind of helps me build that or check, <laughs> check my bag of joy. Is there enough in there to get started and to go through with this project? Um, the next thing I've learned from, again, me overcoming and continuing to overcome perfectionism is the practice is I try to approach it instead of like, oh, I'm gonna to totally nail this thing on the first try, is what does practice look like? So instead of making it this critical thing, like pass or fail, like, oh, I'm gonna practice for a while. I wanna practice being a painter. I wanna practice being a writer. What does that look like? And just going through some of the, the steps of it. And it makes it a lot more fun when 
it doesn't feel like all the money is on the line of just doing the steps and trying to find the enjoyment in the process itself and looking for it. And that kind of confirms, do I need to keep going? And then I would say the last thing is detachment <laughs> and detachment to like the final outcome, because, you know, sometimes we might think, oh, okay, this is what I want. And so I'm going to do it this way. And you keep running into barriers and you keep being resistant and trying to overcome them and you run into more, you know, sometimes the, the universe is trying to show you an easier way. It may be putting up a brick wall because there's a shortcut to the left. So I try to detach from exactly what it's going to look like on, on the other side. And with that detachment, I go back to my joy and, 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 and whether or not it's a project I really want to do. And it sounds so silly, but when I was a little kid, my grandmother had this little teeny tiny jewelry box and it was an enamel box and you open it up and there was a mirror on the bottom of it. And so I would love looking in that little box. And as I got older and I could read it on the inside of the lid, it says, within I see what pleases me. And that phrase always comes up in my mind when I'm working on a project is, am I pleased with what I'm doing? Am I pleased with the progress? Am I pleased with the process? Am I, when I look at my, you know, painting, does it please me? Did I have fun? Am I enjoying it? That's what really counts. Someone else may not like it or love it. And that's okay. Like, do I like it and love it? So healthy detachment. And again, returning back to that deeper why of, um, you know, finding pleasure and expressing your own gifts. Mm. Mm. Those are all so valuable. Yeah. Super hard to follow. <laughs> Both of them. I'm sure there's more, Allison. I'm sure you'll pull out a couple more. Oh, yeah. So the, the one that was coming to me is, is craft your why, your real, your real reason why you're doing it. And to also be aware as you are letting, being fluid within your why, as you're saying it, as you're embodying your why, it might adapt over time and you may add to it or take away, it, it can be fluid. And another thing is to piggyback on what Laura said is asking for support that this is my third business and the first two, I definitely wasn't comfortable to ask for support. And the previous one, I had a co-founder that I believe I probably attracted to had exactly the same mindset. He didn't want to ask for support. So then we stayed stagnant with our ideation process for a long time and expanding in the way that we could have. And that was a great regret for me for a long time until I let go or forgave. That was all part of the process. And then me feeling confident and with Empire Life to fully be able to ask for support and understand it feels vulnerable. People can judge me. I'm okay with that. It, it I will reap the benefits of being able to ask and move faster towards what I'm wanting by asking for from people who want to support me. And that leads me to, I, I feel like to have a whole team of mentors, you know, spiritual mentors, if you want to see a counselor or a therapist, a business consultant, a sales consultant, people to do your Facebook ads, Start adding people to your team before and all of this before you think you're ready. And for me, it also has always worked for me to say it out loud when I'm at a networking event or I'm 
talking to somebody new. I am this. I am an author. Even before I publish a book, I am this. Because we start embodying it and then we're almost manifesting or creating our new perspective. And that makes it easier to own our why, to just take it in and we start believing it. You know, the first person we say may be like, oh, well, why do this and why that? Because we're not really sure in it as we become more sure in ourselves too. So be patient with yourself. If you're not quite sure on your why, it'll come. It'll come also and be fluid with that. That's definitely my three to summarize. And then I want to, in essence of time, move on to the next question. What are the most overlooked strategies most people in your area have no idea about and how important are they? Mm. Or this could be related to your chapter too, that people have no idea what they're doing to their lives. And I definitely have a lot of examples on this related to money. <clears throat> oh yeah. Uh, well, I'll just choose one like you said, in the interest of time. And uh, I also, I do want to save time to sing you a song because yes. that it might, like when you said you have to call yourself into being before you are that. So I have been imagining recently my Grammy on my my fireplace, on my mantle. So, I so have chills I really when wanted, you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been seeing it. I've been visualizing it there on my mantle. Oh. So... Uh, <laughs> Because of that, I want to take every opportunity that I'm given to sing because that's my truest vision of myself. Um, so mindset is what I will choose for this question. Um, the, you know, if, if you don't know that your mindset and that self-talk that you have, if, if you believe that negative self-talk, then, then it's true. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you can't separate yourself from that voice in your head, then what that voice is telling you, you think it's true. So the biggest, the biggest gift is to realize that, that neg any negative voice in your head is lying to you. <laughs> you know, I, I am a Grammy award-winning songwriter. She is. I am. Yep. <laughs> you know, I don't have the evidence yet to prove that, but that voice in my head no longer is there like I for you know for 40 years I've been listening to it saying oh who do you think you are you're not that great there's so many people want that same dream it's typical like why would you think that you're that special and blah 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 but yet you know 49 I still am here with the same dream and the same vision that I had in third grade so the difference is that I can separate that voice as a liar and then I replace it with my chosen voice, which is that I am a Grammy award-winning songwriter. Beautiful. <laughs> and that's, that is my new truth. So it's that mindset shift to choose your own, choose your own truth and believe it. Darn, she took mine, Allison. What am I gonna do? <laughs> because <laughs> I do coach mindset and I do coach around the concept of thoughts become things. So choose good thoughts. Um, I guess, I guess we, we should have coordinated Laura. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just in sync. We're just in sync. Uh, the strategy that I would say that as a, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a founder of a, 
a nonprofit organization, the thing that I, and then again, when you're dealing with boundary issues, there is so much power in taking a pause. We, again, have a belief that everything needs to happen really fast, that we need to respond really quickly, that we need to speed things up. But I have found that when I say, I need some time to think about that to a person, or I sense into what season it is, and it's not a season of productivity for me, and I pause and I just focus on my day-to-day self-care, my rituals that I know ground me and keep me connected to hearing those messages, like Lisa's talking about, those higher messages of truth and allowing those to come in and seep in. Um, Taking that time to pause in my business to assimilate, to integrate, to let go of, release things, you know, even just the process of cleaning your office, you know, if you're having a really um, busy season, it sounds nuts, but sometimes when I have a busy season, I feel like the walls are closing in on me and I will stop and I will straighten one little area of my world. Maybe I'm trying to control (laughs) what I can control, but I find in doing that, it allows me to physically start throwing things away and releasing them. And I'm, I'm, on a physical plane, moving energy. I'm letting things go. I'm making some simple, easy, some decisions, and I'm able to get a better, clear view of where I'm sitting, literally in my office. And I find that that brings me a lot of calm, and that's where creation comes from. Creation doesn't come from, oh my God, I have to decide in 30 seconds. Our best creation comes from that stillness, that pause, where we have time to compose what we want to say to someone that's bullying us or that we need to, you know, address. We're having time to listen to some new programming in our head, or we're listening to beautiful lyrics drop in or beautiful poetry drop in. It's in that pause, that I don't think enough entrepreneurs really give that gift to themselves, that that is as equally as valuable, if not more so than all of the activities of doing. I'm going to ask the, the, that was really powerful in order the essence of time. I'm going to ask the the person that five 30, if we can meet later, (laughs) so we have a little bit more time. Oh, you have a, you have a minute, you have a call in what, 15 minutes. You need to push it. Yeah. I'm going to ask them if they can push it to six so we can, because we're really flowing here and we can have more time. All right. I'll get my, Oh my gosh. Down. Are we in the flow? <laughs> I'll get, I'll get, I'll get my sound system set up while you do that. Yeah. Perfect. Let me just check, do a little sound check in my head. About, about my answer to that question, I feel I've learned and been okay with how there's an energy exchange when we bring on new clients 
and a lot of us are not taught that energy exchange when we're supporting someone and we're receiving money for our support or our strategies or our knowledge or our experience that we've had we've perfected and now we're sharing with that person and sometimes we forget when there's money exchanged we may think i want to receive this money instead of realizing there's an energy exchange and i need to feel comfortable and happy with this energy exchange between this person and I, it's not only about, well, money is part of that energy, but it's not solely the only reason why we choose to support someone. And I always remind my, my clients about that when they are serving their clients, it's okay to tap in, drop in intuitively and see, do I really want to, I, I reference it as, do, is this a person you would invite over your house for dinner? If they can't like, quite understand the concept exactly or it feels too complex, just come back to, this is a person I would have dinner with. If your answer is no, you probably don't need to bring them on as a client. Or you have to feel comfortable with exchanging this energy. And another thing is money is not the root of all evil. I feel it only amplifies evilness in somebody that was already there. It's, it's not that it is actually the evilness. And that is up to the person to heal those wounds, look at their trauma, look at their own darkness. And we may see as they get more power and with money that, they, that, their, that their darkness or their evilness is amplified, not that they are evil. And that's been a, a huge strategy for me when I look at money to continue to have a, a beautiful energetic relationship with abundance. Mm. Wow. We are good ladies. We are, <laughs> we are pearls are. tonight. Oh, pearls of <laughs> Lita, I want to check with you because it's your birthday. So I would like for you to choose would you like to go first with your song or would and me do my poem last? Or would you like to be our showstopper? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, let's, I think that's a good, usually music is a good way to kind of grand finale it and take it out. So yeah, why don't you read your poem first and then I'll start. Okay. okay. Sometimes I can just read her mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the poem I'm going to read is one that I wrote for um, the last book that I was a part of. And similar to our book, um, Redefine, where we're all going through a personal transformation or our personal phoenix, as you mentioned, Allison, um, similarly, this book had a concept around the phoenix. So I thought it would be appropriate for your listeners to hear. So the name of this poem is called Rise Like a Phoenix. When you're in the midst of struggle, it's very hard to see that any good could come of it or how the future is meant to be. Perhaps you feel dispirited, defeated, or held down. You may believe it impossible for resolution to be found. Yet at your heart, there is a choice, an inner strength to be reclaimed. You can propel yourself forward by setting the past aflame. In the roaring of the blaze, it appears that all will be lost. 
but so much freedom is gained in exchange for this painful cost. And herein lies the mystery that when the old is burned away, much more of you is revealed with a divine nudge to point the way. Once the embers are dark and only charred dust remains, you begin your ascent, rising upward to declare your new domain. This momentous passion elevates and you begin to soar. The new sprung feathers of hope lift you higher than before. Trust in this regenerating power that you have inside. In the blink of a spark, you can resolve for your dreams to be your guide. This fiery renovation is from the torch that you hold within. Bring it to the surface. It illuminates the path back to you again. The end is only the beginning when you surrender to the dissolution. Now is the time to spread your wings and fly into your next evolution. The flames, the ashes, the transformation, all lessons to fuel your rebirth. Rise like a phoenix. Share your golden light on this earth. Mm. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Spirit fingers we're doing for Spirit the podcasters fingers. at home. They can't see. <laughs> mm, so good. So good. Let's see. All right. Shall I sing then, Allison? And then you can yes. uh, say any closing thoughts? Yes, please. All right. Okay. This, this is a song that I wrote. I wrote it um, in, uh, let's see, it was late April, early May during quarantine. And it was during the riotings. And um, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm going to take one step, one step every day to, to learn, to grow, to become more aware. Um, and so then I wrote the song. And now it's, it's also become about just taking a step towards your own evolution. Just taking a step. Just, if you get overwhelmed, you know, just take one step every day. And it's called One More Step. Let me know if you can hear this. A backup track. Yeah.
please take your one step. And the crowd goes crazy. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, wow, Lita. I had full body chills. Like, I have tears still coming. Yes. It's incredible. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can feel, you can feel your passion. Mm. It's undeniable, the passion that comes through and the joy that you, that you're giving us. Yeah, it makes me tear up too. And that's, oh. that's when I know that I'm on the right path is when I tear up. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's tears. That, that's, that's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. My pleasure. Mm. Thank you for holding space and creating this podcast and supporting female founders in their journeys so we can all learn from each other and rise together. Mm. Amen. Amen. And you guys will all be able to see how to contact Lita and Laura in the description. And if there's any other parting words that you guys would like to, to say before we hop off. Mm. I'm just grateful. I'm really grateful to be Me here. Too. Grateful to support you and Allison and what you're doing, the work that you're doing mm -hmm. for other women. Grateful to be here and witness my wonderful, amazing friend. Uh, I think that was a pretty big example of overcoming perfectionism <laughs> right there. <laughs> yes. That was absolutely beautiful. And I'm just really appreciative that we can have these kind of conversations mm -hmm. of transparency, authenticity, being vulnerable and letting people know, you know, there's something inside of them that is supposed to come out. And I think these mm -hmm. types of conversations really do inspire and encourage people to listen to that voice. The good one, not the mean one, the good one. Yes. yes. And what's ironic is when we do show up in that way for ourselves and we let that voice come out, a lot of people are thinking that's just perfect. Like she's perfect. <laughs> I mean, there's just no, there's no more definition of there's something more to say besides that was knocked it out of the park. Uh, unbelievable it's, it's so great because of course in my mind i'm like oh i was flat on that one note and i used my falsetto too soon <laughs> that's what i was just doing to myself i was just doing that so yeah i'm choosing to i'm choosing your voice allison yes that was perfect and i'm grateful <laughs> and my last word of advice is if you don't already have one get yourself a bestie who has your back so hard mm -hmm. that you know for a fact she will always be there for you and it just gives you so much more strength to step into your power when you know you have a support system. So I'm grateful to Lara mm. for being that for me. And uh, just that's my final, final mm. little nugget is get yourself, get yourself a bestie or, or, uh, you know, or a couple, maybe, maybe couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grow All together. Right. Yes. All right, ladies, so I wish you an amazing rest of your night, and I can't wait to publish, or this will be published soon for everybody. <laughs> awesome. Great. Thanks, Allison. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Allison. You.